This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Ho, ho, ha, ha. Remember me, old chum? Welcome to THM Cover to Cover for Saturday, November 28th. It's the only live call-in nerd talk show on the internet. Right? Confirmed. Only one. Um, yeah, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm willing yes. to call that confirmed. Okay. Uh, just solely based on our track record of making proclamations with no evidence. Yeah. It's Saturday, November 28th. We are firmly knee-deep into holiday season. Here to talk about some nerd stuff with you nerds. My name is Matt Bone. And of course, I am the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here's how it all works. Every Saturday morning at 10.30 Central Standard Time or Central Daylight Time. I don't really know how, the, how those designations work. Middle of the country Matt, time. What's that? Middle of the country time. No, I know Central, but I know, sometimes I, it's standard. I think we just call it that. Uh, I'm just saying we just call it daylight. middle of the country time. And you pay attention. Well, I don't know it's, what's going on in the middle of the country. It's, it's yeah, you know, we're like smack dab. <laughs> so. it, fun fact, the ziggurat is the exact uh, geolocated center of the United States. Yeah, we're on a bullseye. We're on a ley line. That's why we're here, because it's magic. That's why it crackles with so much power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we go live on our Facebook page, like I said, at 1030 Central Time to wrap about the week's nerd news. And then we open the phone lines for you at 11 so that you guys can play along. You can call us at 402-819-4894 or you can click our Facebook call now button conveniently right on our Facebook page. You can also jump in and watch us live on Facebook right there and chat along with us. If you're too chicken to call in, that's okay. Chat along with us. We'll make fun of you. It's cool. You're invited, you know? And if you can't be here live, you can send us a message to twoheadednerd at gmail.com, preferably an MP3, or leave us a message at 402-819-4894. There's so many ways for you to get in contact with us. And you're not just playing along with this show when you call that. You can play along with anything that goes on the regular show. All kinds of crazy stuff. We want to hear from you. Do it. But Correct. before we open these phone lines, Joey, we got to give these nerds something to talk about. It is time for, we'll call it, uh, slow news week due to holiday nerd news. News. From the super baby desk, the super sons are back. Remember when Batman's kid Damien showed up and became the new Robin and everyone thought it was stupid until they quickly fell in love with the idea. Yeah, I remember that. And then do you remember when Superman had a baby and everyone hated it because there was already a Superboy, but then the new super kid teamed up with Damien and everyone loved it until they got sent to the future to hang with the Legion and came back way older and everyone was mad about the super sons getting broken up. I'm so proud that you read that like that. That's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> one breath, one take, baby. They call me one take Patrick. And there is your history of super, of the new Superboy. <laughs> That's right. Well, good news. One of the only good things to come out of DC Rebirth was the Super Sons title starring... That's not true. It was not one of the only good things to come out of DC Rebirth. I mean, DC you know, Rebirth did a lot of great these things. These are our opinions. I'm just stating mine, okay? <laughs> and yeah, making uh, you read it. No, you're, <laughs> you're putting words in my mouth. Exactly. Uh, however, one of the most celebrated things to come out of DC Rebirth was the Super Sons title starring Bats and Soups Jr. And according to reports, now they're reuniting for a new limited series debuting later this year. Which let's Continuity just, be damned. Let's talk about later this year because that means like in the next three weeks, basically. Uh, yes. Okay. 
There you in go. In fact, it does mean in the next three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> which I think we'll probably get to. The series will be called Challenge of the Super Sons, which is an obvious homage to Challenge of the Super Friends cartoon of the 70s. It sees the boys searching for the author of The Doom Scroll, but unlike Twitter these days, and much like the popular anime Death Note. This is what happens. Yes. Uh, here, <laughs> the lead is a description. The description, basically. <laughs> Whoever, whomever, we can never tell, has their name inscribed on this ancient and magical parchment will be killed post-haste. Now, the evil powers that be have written the names of the Justice League on the deadly dock, and Superboy and Robin are the only ones who can save their dads from certain doom. The catch? No one can know it was the boys that saved them. So this is totally Death Note. It's like completely. I mean, kind of. That's what Death Note's about. You write someone's sure. name on something, and they have a demon that goes and kills them. And Death Note's great, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Fantastic. I've, I've, heard, I've heard things about it, It's yes. really good. You know, don't uh, obviously, yes, it is a Death Note-esque Super Sons limited series. It is written by the uh, original Super Sons series writer, Peter Tomasi, uh, with art by Max Rayner, Jorge Corona. Love Jorge Corona. Yeah, he's great. And Evan Stanley. Uh, this is picking up from Tomasi's two previous Super Sons series, which spun out of the 2016-2017 uh, run on the Superman title that he was doing at the time. So is John a big boy? He's aged? No. He, he went in the... No. Okay, this so this takes John place. John as a boy. This is untold tales of the Superboys. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff here that Tomasi said uh, about being a crazy kid, his own son's adventures, yada, yada, yada. Hey. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing it's either continuity adjacent or it takes place in the past. Okay. Pre-aging. So this debuts December 14th, so yeah. Digital first with plans for print editions the following year. Is this part of a new experiment? No, DC's been doing digital first stuff for a long time now. No, I mean, I know that, but like this seems kind of, I don't know, kind of like high profile. Some of the other digital first stuff was like relatively lower profile stuff or like series. That I mean, I don't know, like they're, they're launching like a team book with Vixen drawn by Criss Cross. You know, I would like, argue that's they're making not some, real high profile, but you know, <laughs> Vixen. I, I mean, I, I, I think that they're do this might be the biggest name thing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. It seems like this is the first time they're taking a, a pretty popular comic. Super Sons was pretty popular and people got pissed when it got canceled and it was great. It really was great. Now I realize Ben just had a story he wanted to tell with Jonathan and the Legion and stuff. And I really liked it. I liked it made sense. It was time to break them up. And quite honestly, a book like Super Sons doesn't need to run for five years, ten years. I think it had a nice, tight little run, and it was fun. You can revisit it with stuff like this. That's fun. It concerns me a little bit when I see, like I said, higher-profile titles and beloved titles that get a digital first thing, and then they come out as comics. I'm curious to see what that'll do to physical sales. Like, are the physical sales going to be as good as the old series? I don't know. We'll see. Well, but I mean, that's just it. Like physical sales are no longer the only benchmark for a title's success. Oh, I'm not so. saying they are. I'm just saying I'm curious to see what it does to the physical sales because that's where it's going to matter to retailers. To retailers, yes, but not to DC in terms of like keeping the book going. No, I'm just curious. You know what I'm saying? I'll say it again. I'm just curious to see what this does to physical sales <laughs> based on retailers. I mean, I just, what's it going to do? If I'm a retailer, I'm not thrilled about this, but. 
I mean, this is DC's new MO. This is not new news. Like this, this is something that this is a, 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 a <clears throat> this is a business plan that they've adopted in the last uh, several months where they are doing these digital first comics. Yeah. And then uh, actually they've been doing it for years. I mean, a no, lot definitely. of it in the past was like the TV tie-in stuff, but yeah. And movie tie-in um, stuff, crap like that. Or like all ages stuff. Um, but like now they're doing more like original, like in universe content and they're just, they're, they're putting it out digital. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't know, like, I don't know if that speaks to, I don't know if that's, um, uh, who the fuck owns DC still? Is it AT&T still? Yes. It's still at and <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Until such times they sweat them off like a bad fever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if this is, you know, AT&T, you know, being skittish about the print market or if it's just DC trying to, you know, bolster sales of, of their whole line in general. But um, yeah, I, I don't really know if it's anything to worry about for retailers. Like if retailers want to order light, order light. That's yeah. not going to affect their bottom line much. Right. And I don't think Super Sons was like a top 10 book or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, nobody's but ordering 100 copies of Super Sons. But it did sell well. So we'll see. Yeah. And I, I think the bottom line is that like fans were pretty bummed about the, um, the aging of John and, and the breakup of the group because they yeah. really liked that dynamic. And I think it's nice that they can revisit it. I think all they need to do is like also age, you know, Damien and make him a little more extreme and darker and I don't know, yeah, give, yeah. Him, give him guns or give something. Him, and give then, him a, no, 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 a backwards baseball cap. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and like knives all over him. Yeah. Though. We'll call him Robin X, the extreme. Right. Or the Robin Hood. Ooh, there it is. Just like the Red Ooh, Hood, but the Robin Hood. The Robin Yeah, but it's R-O-B-B-I-N with an apostrophe, and he, like, robs bad dudes, you know? Like, Rob- yeah. <laughs> R-O-B-I-N. The Robin he, Hood. He Robin. And right. he's a SoundCloud uh, rapper. Mm. <laughs> he's got a little, he's got a little face tattoo. Call me DC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and one other thing to note. Um, I, I think that this is probably, uh, thanks to, uh, they've been doing these, uh, super sons. Frank Cirillo is out on that one. He does not, he's not pitching. He doesn't like that. Oh, uh, whatever, so. Frank, whatever. Yeah, I, he's too old anyway. We're not selling comics to old guys like him anymore. Get out of here. Uh, DC has <laughs> been doing these all ages, super sons, uh, graphic novels, like directed graphic novel books, and they are huge hits. <laughs> Zach Hollowell just said he robs in the hood. <laughs> Robin Hood. We got to get it. <laughs> in other print comics news, a copy of the 1939 comic book, Detective Comics number 27. You may have heard of it. It had a very famous Zorro story in it. It was the first appearance of Batman. It was sold at auction this past weekend. Guess how much it sold for? If you had to guess. I don't know, like $5 billion? Close. It was $1.5 million, which is closer to $5 billion than you think. According to auctioneers at Heritage Auction, that is the highest price ever paid for a Batman comic book. The record was previously $1.075 million for a copy of the same comic book that was graded at 8.0 by CGC. This was back in 2010. And I remember that one because it was used to be the highest graded version of that comic. Like there was not a higher one. And then we found one and a bunch of people were like, "Mm -mm, bullshit. Brian, turn off your video. What are you doing? You lunatic. (laughs) Uh, Point of order. I was wrong. Uh, I did a quick research while you were talking there. Uh, 
I got my dates mixed up. I thought Action Comics number one came out in 1939. It came out in 1938. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So all I knew was that Batman came out the year later. Okay, yeah. I thought it was 39, but you know, whatever. And then it was Batman number one that came out in 1940. This week's $1.5 million Detective Comics number 27 was graded at 7.0 by CGC, which is a full point below the 2010 auction winner. But the thing is, the person that owns that one they bought in 2010 is never going to release it. So... It's like you all have to fight over the second best, and now it's the most expensive version. They weren't surprised at all, yada, yada, yada. What's crazy is when they found this one, like I was saying, a lot of people said it's a fake, and they had to send it to a bunch of different, like, insurance companies, uh, not insurance companies, but, like, insurance uh, detectives or whatever you call them and they yeah, like, yeah and like, they verified, like, no, this thing is real, because we thought we knew all of them. There are only seven unrestored copies of this book in the world, which is pure insanity. So if you were around in 1939, you could have picked this comic up, Detective Comics, off the newsstand for 10 cents. And if you factor that in with inflation, it would have cost you $1.87, which ought to tell you something about comic books today. Comic creators are greedy, they're rich, and they're rolling around in your money. Yeah, that's exactly, that's the exact <laughs> lesson you should be taking from that, that, that math. The most expensive comic book ever sold remains the 9.0 CGC graded copy of Action Comics number one, sold on eBay for 3.2 million. And I tell you what, they took home more money than the Heritage Auction one because Heritage Auction they do take a bite, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> I get it. They got to yeah, pay for their shit. in the charity business. That was of course the first appearance of Superman. I love checking on this stuff because it seems like every time one sells, it becomes the most expensive comic book of all time. But I don't believe Detective has ever beat Action. I think Action still remains the most expensive. I don't think there was ever a time it like leapfrogged over. I action. think I think years ago they were kind of neck and neck for a bit, but then that 9.0 like just skyrocketed. Yeah, and yeah. it's not been able to catch it since. Yeah, that one's crazy. Um, now I, I like I love this too. I love hearing stuff like this too because it it kind of like brings back that that magic that that idea that like <gasps> you could knock a hole in your grandma's wall yeah and find a stockpile of yeah. treasures it's like my dad called me yesterday he uh my my great uncle denny uh has had a, he's he said your great uncle denny has a bunch of stuff that used to belong to your grandma she was an artist your great grandma which i knew uh and i got real excited at first i was like oh yeah and he's like, yeah, you know, they're art books, like drawing books. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> but like I, for a second, I was like, yeah. Uncle Denny's been sitting on a pile of Action Comics number ones yeah. since my oh, great-grandma sure. died 40 years ago. Yeah, my great-grandma left me a bunch of my great-grandfather's old comics. And she was like, oh, yeah, he loved Captain America. He's got a bunch of old Captain America comics. And this is Grandpa Carl, who like died at age 170. So he was like an old dude. You know, yeah. and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Turns out it was a bunch of like weird old war comics and like Charlton yeah. war comics. It's, it's and never and they illustrated. were whooped. I mean, like yeah. so whooped that it was like you turn the page and they just sort of like like floated away in moth form. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one quick point I wanted to make about the action, uh, the uh, detective thing. Uh, as much as I love it when they're like they've unearthed, they've unearthed yet another great copy, blah, blah, blah. Then I immediately think, oh, well, now it's just going to sit in some rich dude's vault for the rest of the time. 
You know, I kind of feel like this stuff should be in museums, you know, put it like, I don't know. I don't know. The people should be able to see it. I agree. But, you know, if I paid that much for it, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not saying you should be able to read it. The put people, it behind glass. People can go to hell. It's in my house. <laughs> you come over, I'll kill you. <laughs> All right. It's it's time to rename the Dawn of X desk in the ziggurat bullpen because morning is over in Krakatoa. No, it's just called Krakoa. And the reign oh, of X Oh, that was autocorrect, I bet. I'm sorry, that was autocorrect. Yes, Krakatoa <laughs> is someplace very different. It blew up. Yeah. The new Reign of X begins this Wednesday, surprise, and was announced by writer Cy Spurrier on his Twitter with a bit of teaser art from ex-artist and Stormbreaker gang member Mahmoud Asrar. It should be noted that Spurrier isn't currently working on any X titles, uh, but I expect that to change. Uh, otherwise, why would he be the one to announce it? Right. Little nerd uh, bet here. Uh, I don't really think there. Oh, I want to make a little nerd bet. I'm saying he either gets a new X book that replaces Hellions because I don't think Hellions is selling really well or he's taking over Excalibur. Why do you think he's taking over Excalibur? I just think it's kind of run its course after all of this and they're either going to do something completely new with it or end it. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Uh, I have read because it does mention later in the story that there will be new titles. Yes. So my guess would be that he's on a new title. I have read to a point that you're not quite in an X of Swords yet. And it feels like Excalibur is coming to a very logical conclusion. That could be. Yes. Uh, X of Swords. It's, I keep saying X of Swords. It's Ten of Swords. No, it's the X crossover of swords. <laughs> ended. I don't think we've called it Ten of Swords yet on this show. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It ended just this week with November 25th's Ten of Swords colon destruction. Uh, here's a little description. The reign of X will see the forming of new teams, the return of major characters, new threats brought about by classic villains, and more game-changing revelations that will alter the X-Men mythos forever. The art features characters already known to be joining the X-Men line, including Wolverine as Patch and Maverick, who Matt and I both love I dearly. Love Maverick. I love joining Maverick. forces in Wolverine number eight. Maverick got punked out so bad, too. <laughs> Uh, the X-Men who entered the vault are known to be returning in January's X-Men number 18. Uh, Mad Jim Jaspers, who rules Otherworld's Bizarre Crooked Market. Uh, oh, this is a spoiler for me. Newlyweds, Cypher, and Bay the Blood Moon. Yeah, that's the thing that happens. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Nightcrawler holding a Krakoan tome, or maybe possibly Apocalypse's Grimoire of Mutant Magic. That's what it is. M seemingly under the tutelage of Warren Worthington slash Archangel. Uh, there's a group of sat- shadowy figures. There's a uh, professor X's son, Legion, someone who may or not may not be Proteus blasting energy from his eyes and mouth. It's totally Proteus. And the villains, Nimrod, Shadow King and Arcade uh, Legion, Shadow King and Arcade have not yet made their post Dawn of X uh, debuts. So this will be their first reappearance in the new paradigm. Where the hell's Mojo? Uh, he was in New Mutants. They went to Mojo World. Oh, that's right. He did recently. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. This all happened. This is a 22 part crossover. All happened in one and a half months. So excuse I know. me. Uh, like, I forgot I, some like, stuff. It's <laughs> it's oozing out of my brain. Like I can't keep up. It's insane. <laughs> so Marvel is saying, uh, pay close attention to this artwork because everything in it matters. 
there's their typical little hypey bullshit paragraph, which we're not going to read. Uh, but it says, yeah, eagle-eyed readers should take a close look at this montage of mutants drawn by Azrar. Everything on this image was included for a reason. And we have heart-pounding payoffs in the near future for our favorite Krakoans. After the dawn comes the rain, and what a rain it will be! Exclamation point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not going to read this last paragraph because nah, it's kind of spoilery and the event just ended. Yeah, we don't need to read that because I think people are still neck deep in it. But there's a lot of fun stuff here. Love Patch. Man, I love Patch. And like eh. the Cypher thing is kind of weird because this character is like, uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but whatever. I mean, it's fine. I, I really like Cypher and it's time he gets hooked up with somebody that's not Warlock, you know, which that was cute too. And I wish they would just be gay and be in love yeah, <laughs> this is so adorable. um i i do love the return of uh, uh of laura as wolverine x23 yeah that's I'm, fun i'm a big fan of that um Nimrod. as we said reign of x kicks off on december 2nd that's this wednesday yeah with hellions number seven and x factor number five i don't know i you know uh i i'm always excited by a good teaser uh but I'm I'm curious to see how this event ends because right now I'm about nine chapters in and it's just like <sighs> when's the giant crocodile man show up? That's all everybody's <laughs> talking about. I want to see the giant crocodile man. <laughs> I'm still having a lot of fun with it. And I like that they're rolling into another large planned huge scope X story. Cause I think that's it's just a better way to go for now. If you're gonna include everybody. And Marvel's going to be one giant, you know, uh, I don't know, team, not even team book, but one giant crossover book after crossover book. I don't mind that the X universe is doing its own little internal crossovers and they're well curated. They're well edited. They stick together. They yeah. follow the story. Well, what I like most about it is that they are, I mean, uh, 10 of swords aside, uh, up until now they were all linked but not necessarily in a way that like you had to feel forced to follow the ones you weren't interested in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, Oh, Kitty pride shows up in X in uh, or storm shows up in Marauders or Kitty pride shows up here, you know, just like randomly because they're all together. Right. And it makes perfect sense. And I love that about this current setup. So here we go. No, <laughs> it's time to take so. over space. Watch out space. Here comes the X-Men. <laughs> Hope you survive the experience. <laughs> All right, enough. Welcome we're, to the we're on time space. for a change. Let's get a question of the week out there. Welcome to the X-Men space. Sorry. It's we so, should just stop now because once so again, stupid. that's the best joke we're going to have all day. <laughs> this week's question was submitted by Lord Stephen Fino, the THN Master of Coin via the THN forums. What is the most creative use of an otherwise quote-unquote useless superpower in comics? For example, uh, while the event itself was not good, the usage of Dazzler to take out Black Bolt in Inhumans vs. X-Men was a great use of her sound power, of her light sound powers. Sound to light? Sound to light. Sound to light. Yeah, she turns sound into light. That's why she's a rock star. Which I never really cared about, but you know, whatever. I like Dazzler. Let's get these phone lines open. We got. Some... I liked it better when she was a disco star. Yeah, I kind of do too. And I wish, like, rather than taking her in like a Cheryl Crow direction, she would go the other direction and be like, "Nope, she's just like really like hot aging disco star." 
like deal with it. <laughs> it's too good. Oh okay. yeah, she should be like sixty years old. Sure. You know, and you know, just, still in good shape. Still doing you know, it. She took care of herself. Yeah, just still doing it. I would love it. All right. JD was in here first. He's got his hands up. Let's ask to unmute this cat. Talk to us, JD. How are you, brother? Doing well, doing well. How are you guys? We're doing real well. Happy Thanksgiving. Good to have you here. What do you want to rap about today? Uh, well, uh, strangely enough, I want to talk about something super, super current uh, as of last, well, yesterday slash last night. Okay. Uh, I'm going to talk about Mandalorian. Okay. Ooh, yeah. All, All right. right. Did, so let's go. Did no. you guys see yesterday's episode? I have not seen it yet. Let's not go any heavy oh. spoilers. Oh, dang it. Yes, I was I've all, seen it. I was all messed up. Because it's like holiday week, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? It's it's like it's, today's Thursday." And Casey's like, "No, it's tonight." I was like, "Oh crap! It's like one o'clock. I can't do it now. I'm going to bed." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. Well, oh, shit. I don't know how to do this without. Let's just say that. Uh, okay, so I'm woefully behind on all of the extended universe stuff. Okay. Even the end canon and stuff. So this episode really, really, really made me want to do a deep dive into clone wars and rebels hardcore. Okay. And so actually I have a question. Uh, there's so much out there. Uh, is there a good, like later onboarding point for clone wars? Not, um, like the show you do I have to, yeah, or do I have to start at the beginning? I don't so, know, man. I, actually, I know I have an answer to this question. Uh, I okay. w- I was like so hyped for, uh, you know, Star Wars stuff after watching Mandalorian yesterday that I actually, mm-hmm. I, I tried for the third time to get back into the Clone Wars. I, like I know everybody says it, they're like I. It's it leans real heavy on that episode one tone and aesthetic at the beginning. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. There's a bunch of Roger uh, Rogers. And it's tough. And- it's tough to get through. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's tough to get through if you are not a fan of that sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah. So but you know, good Jar Jar Joe. So if you like Jar Jar Binks, there's some really good payoffs. Yes. But as <laughs> as know. as loyal fans say, it's like you just got to stick with it because it becomes amazing. I believe them. These this is this has been said by people that I know and trust. Um, but if you go to Clone Wars, uh, it's misleading. Uh, it, it, you have to, you have Disney plus, I assume because you yeah. watch the Mandalorian. Yep. Um, you have to go to the, uh, the one that says Clone Wars, the final season. Okay. Cause that's the TV show. Oh, all right. Um, and then if you scroll, what's the other, you one? will find what, what's the other one? Uh, there was a movie. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. And I don't, I don't remember. I'm not exactly sure where that falls in the timeline. It might have been before the show. Okay. And wasn't there but, an uh, earlier like mini series that had different animation? That's not connected. That was the Gandhi Tartakovsky. Oh, okay. Those yeah. are the little shorts that he did. Those are probably which are amazing, by were, the way. We're better than the Star Wars movies. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Um. But uh, if you scroll, if you go to the one that says Clone Wars, the final season, and you scroll down a bit, you will mm-hmm. find a category that says 20 essential episodes. Ooh. And it is like a curated list of like, here's everything you need to know to get into the final season of the Clone Wars. Ooh, yeah. And okay, it was like, yeah, there, it was just right there. It's like, if you do not want to binge the whole show, this is for you. Okay. I'm willing that's to do that. Yes. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. Definitely. That, that, I'll. Fuck yeah, I'm there was just it. so much in that Clone Wars show that like I'm 
violently oh, yeah. allergic to those prequels and like there was so much that like the hives would start crawling up on me every time the, the dumb robots showed up and like ugh, well, well, <laughs> ugh, i hate it yeah yeah so uh okay so i'll steer away from the star wars talk because nah, no let's um, talk about it talk about it it's fine it's my fault talk about all it. right all right starting now at this time point Spoiler. Eleven oh four a.m. I'm not sure what the timestamp is on the recording. Who cares? Twenty nine thirty, but that could change because we do some editing here and there. You know, yeah. you don't edit anything in the twenty. <laughs> Mandalorian episode four spoilers starting right now. Ahsoka Tano shows up, played by Rosario Dawson. She is fucking badass. That's not oh, a spoiler. God. We knew yeah. that was coming. I mean. Well, they I, mentioned her in the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like we knew that, like we were talking about. We knew about. that she was coming. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and she like dual wields white lightsabers. I, know, I, I had to fucking Google the white lightsabers. And yeah. Because I'm not, I have not seen Clone Wars. I only know of her, ten, like, you know, tangentially. Is that a thing from Clone mm-hmm. Wars? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's from the end of Clone Wars. And also the, the first time she fights with them in, in canon, according to Wikipedia, is in Rebels, actually. Oh yeah, Star Wars Star Wars Rebels is really good. Um yeah. and uh uh you know also the dark saber that uh right. Juan Carlo Esposito had at the end of uh season 1 is also from the Clone Wars. Yeah, we um, also find out why the Mandalorians and the Jedi are directly opposed to each other and why the Mandalorians are so touchy about that Beskar steel. Yes. Uh because and, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she swings uh, at him, and he just puts his arm up and stops those sabers dead. Whoa! I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know that was a thing. Wow. Yeah, Mandalorian armor. Yeah, Beskar is steel can block lightsabers. lightsabers. I did not know that. That's pretty neat. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, David Robbins uh, says that the uh, lightsabers are powered by purified red crystals taken from the Sith. What? Yeah. Yeah, she is uh, one of the Inquisitors. I think uh, Brother Six or something like that was the name. I did a Wikipedia deep dive this morning. Uh, yeah. yeah, she takes these two red crystals and then purifies them with the Force and turns them white. And then uh, Dave Filoni, the director of this episode, and also he wrote the the Clone Wars episode where she makes the sabers, uh, he says that the white lightsabers for her represent that she is no longer affiliated with the Jedi or the Sith. She is completely independent. Interesting. A gray knight thing. Different than a gray Jedi. She's not a gray Jedi. She's not a Jedi nor a Sith. She is just a lightsaber wielding force user. She's a masterless samurai. Point of order. Yeah. Uh, So this is Ashoka. Ronin. Right? Ronin? This is Ashoka, right? Yeah, Ashoka. Ashoka, Ashoka, Who was a student of... Anakin. Who was never actually a jedi is that why she's not a jedi because if that is the thing i'm fine with that one of my biggest problems i had with ashoka on that stupid show is that she was a padawan to someone who was not even a jedi that doesn't make any damn sense he never became a jedi and they just sort of like there's a reason why they did that you could probably read into it and i think i remember them saying there was an explanation as to how she became a padawan of his but frank's right he was a jedi knight he wasn't a jedi master yeah the reason why she turned away from the jedi was because she survived order 66 and she had to basically um fake her own death to avoid it 
And then with no Jedi left and then also seeing her pretty much her teacher, her mentor be the guy doing all the bad, you know, she was right. just like, I'm done now. Yeah, screw it. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Which, you know, works well for that last movie where they hadn't written her in yet. But anyway, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, that, was, okay. that, was, that was one of the things I want to talk about too, is because like, so Mandalorian takes place after Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah, like five years or something. Yes. Okay, and she's still alive as a Jedi, so that means she was alive as a Jedi, not only in that last movie where you talk about they wrote her out, but through the original prequels. She, or yeah, through the original, she's very old. Hope, yeah, and all of that. She's an older lady, I guess. Well, well, she's a Jedi, so they age weird. But well, she's also that, she's also I mean, an she alien. Was, uh, she was so. just a teenager, right? She was just right, a, right. a teen was, during the Clone yeah. Wars. So and she's also she not only, human either. She's not humanoid. Yeah. She's alien. So there's all that going on. But so she maybe ages differently. So watch the one thing that bugged me was she's alive through all the stories that we've seen, supposedly retroactively. Right. And I was like, how? And then I was like, on one hand, I was like, it really bugged me that they never mentioned her and that it never came up. On the other hand, I kind of like retroactively justified. It. it was like, I thought it was really cool showing how big the fucking universe is. The fact that she can be there yes, with lightsabers and all of that and be off in a corner. And it's that thing that we've kind of said we wanted from the new expanded universe stuff, which is. Get rid of the Skywalkers. <laughs> I don't disagree. We don't need Skywalkers but anymore. She is also directly tied to the biggest Skywalker that started the whole thing. So that's kind of hard to be but like. She oh, also yeah. kind of said she the was, same thing we she all She was did. behind the Fuck scenes. It, we're, we're done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, and she's not part of that, you know, she's not really part of that story. No. She knew him. Fair enough. Right. You know, that's like she saying, him. You know, like, she's like Qui-Gon Jinn is also not part of the Skywalker legacy. Right. She survived um, Order 66 and then like pretty much just washed her hands of it. Right. Uh, so, but the other, the other thing that happened in this episode, which is uh, perhaps some might say the biggest revelation of the episode, um, baby Yoda's name is revealed yes. because Ahsoka, like they can feel each other's thoughts. Like he doesn't mm -hmm. speak conventionally. Right. Like they don't have, but you know, through the force, they can vibe on each other. And right. She's like, hello, right. little pubert. It's good to see you again. Yes, his name is Pubert. <laughs> no, his name is Grogu. Gor Gorgo? Grogu. Gro Grogu. Hold on. I don't think it... <laughs> uh, Sorry, I almost did a baby. spit day. Gorgo? <laughs> Grogu. Grogu? Grogu, yes, Grogu. His name, G -R -O -G -U, his name is Gogurt? They named yeah. him Gogurt. <laughs> his name is Gogurt. Grogu. G-R-O, yeah, G-U. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So baby Yoda has a name. He is not Yoda, well, yeah. which everyone was like, is he a clone of Yoda? No, he was, uh, he was a youngling. Uh, he, he was at the Jedi temple on Coruscant. Uh, and they said something about how people studied under him, right? Studied under a baby? Studied under Grogu? Well, I mean, he's 50. No, he's, uh, but he can't even speak. No, he's 500. No, no, he's fifty. In the first, like, is he only fifty? He's fifty. Yes. Yeah, he, they just age. Okay. They just age much slower. But he can't even speak. Why are they studying under him? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he he trained under many masters. Thank right, you, Frank. Right. That okay. that was the line that I. Yeah, heard. I was like, what? So, because he has force, he has obviously has force abilities. Right, right, right. So, mm -hmm. like, he was in training at the Jedi Temple. He was kidnapped from the Jedi Temple. 
And, uh, and then, you know, that's, that leads into the Mandalorian season one, episode one, sure, where sure. the weird Camino scientist guys got her, uh, got him. Yeah. And I like and that they're sussing Werner this stuff out. Said he's like, bring me the baby, bring me the baby. <laughs> he doesn't exactly sound like that, but <laughs> I like I that they're sussing see, this stuff I out. I want to see the baby. And I like that they're connecting stuff because we still, after those last three movies, we still don't completely know how everything counts or works together again. So this is a good place to do that. I like that. And that's fun. And we'll see where it goes from here. And if they want to make Ashoka a cool character now, great. I'm into it because I did not care for her in the Clone Wars. I didn't care for her stupid origin that they just kind of farted in there to be like, hey, we need more characters and action figures. And how about a smart talking sassy teen? Like, get out of here. Ugh. Well, she ain't a smart talking sassy teen anymore. Well, that's no, she's good. terrifying. Good. So, no, I'm excited for it. And they need to spell this out. And the TV show is a perfect place to do that because we've proven when we get the movies, we can either get a good standalone chapter that really drills yeah. down into one thing, or we have to do the Star Wars dance again. And it's got to be exactly like the first three that everybody liked. So. Well, well, one throwback thing that they did in this one that I thought was really cool was they, they so all the Mandalorian episodes have been kind of very Western-esque. And yeah. this was very Kurosawa. To the point that I actually saw on on, on Facebook, somebody uh, it was Zach Hollowell. Yeah, Zach Hollowell. Yeah, he showed this clip, this 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 still from the episode, directly over a still from Yojimbo, and they everyone was in the exact same pose. Oh yeah, I don't find that hard. Yeah, it was it, so like, badass. It, it, like. Like I, I watched that scene where they invade, uh, where they infiltrate the the walled city. Yeah, and I'm like, I played this exact thing on Ghost of Tsushima on my PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I liberated this city. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, it was. It was very much a samurai, a very, a very much a samurai episode. Good. Um, That's what it needs to get back to. That's what it's exactly where they need to go back to because well no i love mandalorian juggle, juggling that line between the yeah, like between, i love the western angle i'm yeah, sorry between i mean leone and kurosawa yeah that's what i mean as far as like i want space samurai western as opposed yeah. to large you know magical fairy tale with midichlorians and two families oh, no. locked in a battle forever and ever and ever fuck off i'm done no, with in fact that. It, in fact actually there's a point where she she explains the force to mando and never mentions midichlorians. Good. It, the retro. She's Good. Like, it's a force. It's a, it's a force from that stems from all living things and it surrounds everything. Now I will say, I will say this in last week's episode, uh, there was something, I don't remember exactly, uh, how it came at, came down, but they either found video or, uh, Moff Gideon was having a conversation with the, uh, scientist guy or whatever. Because they were they were on that empire ship. Oh no, they were on the the empire base when. Uh, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. went to go. Um, they, yes, they went to go. They went to the empire base, and somebody uh, referencing Baby Yoda. Uh, somebody says the word M count, and oh, my no. blood turned to jelly. <laughs> and I think I <laughs> yeah. had a stroke. Uh, and like, they didn't say the word. They right. didn't say the whole word. They just said M count. Um, Cause it like, they're strongly implying that they're using Grogu's blood to create empire super soldiers. Right. Um, anyway, it, look, we're, we're just like 
synopsizing episodes at this point. But, I know. <laughs> but please, please, please watch The Mandalorian. It was fucking amazing. Uh, it was. This is probably my favorite episode of the season. I do feel like this season, I've enjoyed it. I really like the first episode. Yeah. The next two, I felt like we're fine. They weren't great. They were, I mean, I did love seeing all the Mandos fine. fighting together. I thought that right. was pretty rad. I thought I can't look. I love Sasha Banks. She's a great wrestler. You know what? She's not an actress. <laughs> Every time she was like on there, it was like, I was just waiting for her to be like, listen up Mandalorian. It's legit boss time. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. And then I, don't she know. Like, I, I watched that episode and it was like, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know she was a wrestler. And I was yeah. like, Oh, she's a great background character. I, I knew yeah, exactly. They they her, Sackoff. Yeah. yeah. They use her real name. No, her. I didn't recognize like, Katie Sackoff at all until the very end of the episode when they said her name. It was like, Oh my God, that was totally Katie Sackoff. And I thought she was great. And I like yeah. the idea there's other Mandalorians doing other stuff. And there's a whole nother and that they're, way and they're different and everything. Yeah. Yeah. The whole different tribe thing. Like, you know, they, they take off their helmets and he's like, you're not one of us. And she's like, he's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked, I really liked that revelation. Uh, yeah. Zach, Hall- <laughs> just to wrap up the, the Mando talk here, Zach Hollowell in the Facebook chat says major mistake in the episode. Ahsoka says, I've only seen one other of his race, uh, obviously referencing master Yoda. Right. And Zach asks, did she never see Yaddle? Yeah, like Yaddle was on the Jedi Council. She was like, Yaddle. she was like a Jedi. Yaddle is the female Yoda. Yoda on the Jedi Council. She was the old female Yoda puppet in the in the prequels. She was like a like a Jedi president. She was on the council. I think I I think I, I think I blocked that out. Oh, uh, you know what? Frank Cirillo says uh, she was only in the first movie. Yeah, and like literally for oh yeah, seconds I blocked that out. on screen. Yeah, like she was. So that I mean that minor. explains that then. Yeah, yeah. Here, Frank. Your no prizes in the mail, buddy. Well, Frank's oh, up next. Yeah. So because Asho- yeah. Ahsoka doesn't show up until the Clone Wars yeah. have already begun, which is episode two. So yeah, maybe that's right. Maybe yeah. she was a tadpole still or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how aliens work. I'm racist. I can't help it. Sorry. <laughs> Would that be officially xenophobic? I'd say I'm not racist. I just don't know how aliens work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not willing to learn either. I, you get to an age where you don't care. You're not that. racist. You're just <laughs> ignorant. Yeah. I just, I'm just very excited about my human people. You know, that's all. All right. JD, all right, it well, is always the Mando talk. I'm going to ask one quick question. Then I'm going to log off. You can answer it offline real quick. You were talking about the, uh, reign of X and Maverick coming back. Wasn't Maverick a teleporter? No, but Malik, but Maverick had a teleporter. He, okay. Mavericks, uh, what was his, he was part like of Cable a, has a teleporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He, he came out of that whole like Weapon X stuff with a bunch of those other mm-hmm. guys. And he is a mutant because he died of the legacy virus. But I can't remember. I want to say he had like sort of like luck powers where he could like all, he could affect very small, you know, like chances and stuff like that. And that's why he was such a good mm. shot. But I can't remember directly. Hmm. And, he, and then also, Matt, to answer your question, the, the sword space station is actually in that Reign of X picture. Yeah. No, it is there. I, oh, blo- I had a condensed yep. one. I blew it's right it up behind Sync. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be fun. I'm going to love it. JD, Frank Cirillo has been freaking right. out. He needs, to, he needs to give us some Star Wars. <laughs> All right. Uh, talk to you guys history. a little later. All right, brother. See you, buddy.
Frank is about to get into it. I can tell. Uh, was, I wasn't sure if that was sync or if that was Darwin. He was but furiously chatting about this. Frank, how are you today, sir? I'm good. How are you guys doing today? Okay. Listen, Frank, if we're in the business of spoiling things today, I want to talk about Star Trek. Oh, I'm talking all about Star Trek today. I, I wanted to just, uh, I, I, I wanted in on that, on that uh, Mandalorian conversation, though. You know, it was great. Oh, man. Okay. Great, so lay out real show. quick, though. You know this. Lay out Ashoka for us. Just give a quick, brief. Um, well, she was she was Anakin's Padawan, right. and Anakin never Anakin never became a Jedi Master. Now, as much as I hated those three movies, um, I, I I watched them and like I don't know why it's like committed to my brain. But um, she she left she leaves towards the middle of the second to last season. I'm going to say the second to last because that last season was sort of only on Disney Plus. The second to last season, she leaves in the middle in the middle of the season because she can't be a Jedi. She's like, I can't do this. I don't believe in this. Um, she kind of sees the 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 downfall of the Jedi in in a lot of ways. Okay, so this was um, leading up to the third movie, basically. Yeah, took place in right. Between she's the she's the not even involved second. in Order sixty six. Like okay. she's nowhere to be seen. She leaves. That's why she leaves before you know before the end of the Clone Wars series, so that in whatever the third movie was called. And like I said, I really didn't like the movies, um, but she leaves before then. So they had to write her out of the series. And to me, I thought she was a great character. I was like, I was, I was disappointed when she left, when they brought her into rebels, I was like, yes, she's super, she's, she's a really great character because she's not a Jedi. Right. She leaves the order, but she's a, she's a trained fighter. So she's a Ronin basically. You know, right. And she so she's got all the powers of a Jedi. She could build her own lightsaber. She's she's one. She's like she's like one with the force. Kind of a guy like the guy from. Um, uh, oh, Donnie Yen from. Yeah. 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 He's like, I want the force the forces with me. That guy like yeah. she's like that, you know. But but she's one of the she's one of the more force sensitive people. <laughs> My daughter's like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, daughter. Um. Uh, she's one of the more force sensitive people like like the universe like if you watch clone wars you'll see there's like the clone witches there's these other like clone like these like not clone i'm sorry the the force witches and then there's like a whole there's I have a dragon fair enough i have dragons that too was not, that's that cool was not me that was not me <laughs> oh yeah the, um, oh yeah i forgot the jedi oh. dragons those are cool <laughs> So she's so like so and then there's the like they help they do a whole episode on like where the force comes from. And I think that was in they do it both in Clone Wars and in Rebels, like the whole where the Jedi Order comes from and where the Jedi and the Sith come from. Yeah. It's like watching those two shows is a deep dive into like the hit without actually having to go and commit yourself to reading a book is like a deep dive into the Jedi Sith history. That's cool. And I, so rebels is another one that like I started watching. I was like, okay, this is much better than the clone wars. Yes. And rebels I can hang with amazing. this. Like rebels is really like, good. At, I just at, fell at off. First, I need to finish. Yeah. It. At, at first I was like rebels. Ah, this looks, you know, cause the, I wasn't I wasn't super jazzed on the animation style because yeah, it was I, too close to it I was like it was it just too close to um, Clone Wars, but the story was fantastic, really, really was. I loved it, and and it's absolutely that is a show worth watching. Stop trying to press the keyboard. Okay. Um. Anyway, yeah. So you definitely definitely go back and watch Rebels in its entirety, but. Um, yeah, watch the essentials of um, there's there there is there's like several essentials lists. All right, I'll do it. I'll do Wars. it. Yeah, I'll do it. God. The other thing is, you if, if you can if you can take two hours out of your day, 
watch something called the Phantom Edit on YouTube. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. It's, it's great. Yeah, it was really like, good. It, it's, it's like this is what the movie should have been, and it should have just been one movie. Yeah, you know, as a as, as it. All right, would you stop playing with the? I'm sorry, stop playing <laughs> with the keyboard. Go in the other room now. <laughs> good lord. One of the things. Yeah, they're, one they're, of the guys back. That, My I can't remember what was children. So it, uh, it may have been like Max so Bemis or somebody had like a whole thing where, about the Phantom Edit where he wrote yeah. out like a script where he was like, look, this should have been, you know, Obi-Wan's story. You should have introduced, uh, I can't remember the name of the alien in the pod race as like a Chewbacca type character that like hangs around because he was a really cool looking alien and stuff, you know, and you can still have like young Anakin in the background. Subbulba? Yes. But let Obi-Wan tell this story and follow him. Man, like, it would have been great. Yeah, that should have been, that that really should have been where it was going. Okay, get out of here now. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. You're being obnoxious. You want to sit Yeah, next week on Gigglecast, we'll do this, all right? Come on. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about Discovery. Now, I just, Discovery's up to season, up to episode six now. Mm -hmm. And um, they've, they're, you know, the the whole mystery of it is finding what the source of the burn is now. Right. And and there was a lot of, there was a lot of discussion. Like, I, I know, like, I've, I've sort of, like, put, thought maybe it was the cue or maybe it was, maybe I thought it was Michael Burnham's mother that caused it. Um, but then they reintroduced her back into the show, and I really this like last her, by the way. this last episode. I don't have you. Did you see the last episode? No, I haven't finished yes. it yet. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to spoil that for that's you. Right, I mean, right. they were going to find her eventually. Yeah, he, I mean, uh, it doesn't matter. He's yeah. He, I don't understand why he's. How do you? How do you not finish a forty-five minute? I fell asleep while watching it and last night and I was like, I can't do this. I'm too tired. And then I was All like, right. Jesus Christ. I, I thought it was Thursday. It turns out it was Friday. <laughs> like everything was messed yeah. up. <laughs> uh, it, so this episode was titled Reunification 3. <laughs> yeah. And it is actually the third part of a trilogy that started 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, with reunification one and two from Next Generation. Woo! So I, I, did, I did see... Uh, oh, so... It, well... Spock was in it, like Spock, not yeah, like Spock, not like Leonard, Leonard Nimoy. Spock. Yeah, it was, oh my god, it was Leonard Nimoy. Oh my and god, I was, you guys! <laughs> I, it's like that moment you see him come on the screen. It's just like <gasps> Spock, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he gets, yeah. I got very emotional. Yeah. yeah, and it was all this stuff like we found this in the archives of of Admiral uh, Jean Luc Picard. Right. And, and I was like, oh shit! Uh, like it all, it all fucking counts. It all <laughs> fucking counts. They, well, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Okay. Vulcan didn't get destroyed. What? Right? Vulcan was destroyed in the 2009 movie. Yeah. That was in the alternate universe. In the alternate yeah. universe. Right. So so we're still okay, Romulus was you, destroyed in but this you universe. now have right. right. But you now have to in the okay, so I'm gonna try to use logic here. <laughs> but so if Vulcan wasn't destroyed, that means that Spock never came back. That means that the Romulans never came back to create that alternate timeline. So somewhere in the next, I don't know how many years, they're going to fix that. Well, hold okay. on. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. What, do you, what Romulans never came back? Yeah, Vulcan okay. was definitely so destroyed in the J.J. Abrams. Created. You mean like Vulcan. Eric Bana? Yeah. Yeah. The Nero yeah. story. Right. The Nero storyline. Now, some, somewhere in 2000, Star Trek 2009, they, the Romulans come back right and they they destroy vulcan right because spock because spock stood by as as i mean but it was just that one crew of vulc of of romulans right it wasn't like the romulan people 
Right. No, it was the right. It was that one. No, one Nero show, was definitely right? a spinoff. He was an, an but he was a terrorist. What I'm, what I'm saying is because that, because Vulcan is still in existence a thousand years later, Vulcan never gets destroyed the first time around and doesn't create that new universe. So somewhere along the line, somebody has to okay. have fixed it. You know what I'm saying? I see you working now. All right. I see uh, okay, you working. but okay. I don't think that you're thinking it. I don't think you're. Okay. I don't agree. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that okay. in this, I think that in the timeline, the main, the main Star Trek timeline. Yeah. Romulus is destroyed. Right. That's like, that's like the whole thrust of, that's the that's like the whole point. That's the whole thrust of Picard. Right. You know, is like the, 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 uh, the, the sons of Romulus or whatever they are, the, uh, the, the Tal Shiar. Right. Or whatever the even scarier group was called. Like, <laughs> oh yeah! Fuck all! Fuck you guys! And fuck the Federation for failing the, to save us. Uh, and you know, and so that's yeah. Mm, sorry, sorry. I keep cursing. I'm not sure if your uh, children can hear this. She hears it all the time. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Um, but no, I I think in the the order of events. Yeah. Romulus is destroyed. And as a result of the black hole that's created, Spock gets sucked into the J.J. Abrams universe. The J.J. the Kelvin verse, along right. with Nero. along with Eric Bana, yeah, right, and his crew. Um, and Spock obviously neither one of them return, and that like so they like I don't don't they even make a mention of the fact that he um they just mention his death. They only um, talk about his death. They don't talk about anything. But I mean, they they would have they would have known that he got sucked into a black hole, right? And the, right. yeah, and so, he ends up like living out the rest of his life in the Kelvin universe, the right. J.J. Abrams. Yeah, world. okay. And and so like so yes, Vulcan was still the destroyed. rest of like they the rest of that uh, whatever happened after that. Yeah, which happened after the events of Next Generation. Uh. You know, the the somehow the Vulcans and the Romulans came together as as was described in this episode of Discovery. Right. So yeah. And then they became it they became Remar, right? Uh, Navarre. Navarre. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So okay. So I mean, hey, listen, I love I love when people disagree with me because I'm not always right, but you know. Yeah. And um, so like I think yeah they just they literally like they just created a what if. They, they oops, we created a what if? Yeah, Spock oh. is lost forever. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, no, I, I, I see. I, I, okay, all right, I'll go there. I mean, I, um, I but yeah, so that like there was no return. Like he never came yeah. back. But like they, they just like, oh, he died. He got sucked into a right a gaping space vortex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no way he survived. <laughs> no, it <laughs> happens. You know. Yeah, you know. But it wasn't the first but time Spock this, died either. So I mean, they right. gotta be used to it. By no, now. it's not definitely not the first time he died. No. But in this episode, it's it's um I'm really well. I want to go back to a couple episodes actually when they get to Federation headquarters and they meet David Cronenberg, um, yes. played by God, played by him. David Cronenberg. I love him. Right. <laughs> God, and I loved it. I'm just, he was—he just plays it so subtle and creepy yeah. that I'm like, this guy. There's more to this guy, obviously, than he's letting on. To be fair, I don't um, think David Cronenberg can do anything but be David Cronenberg. So right. when you call David Cronenberg, the, you're like, it's the same as it's the same as Werner Herzog yeah. in the Mandalorian. Do you want to like, come be David guy, Cronenberg on Star Trek? And yeah. he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and and apparently, he lives where they shoot. He lives in Canada where they're shooting, and they called him up and said, "Hey, you want to be on an episode of Star Trek?" And he's like, "Yeah." Yeah, sure. Sounds great. Love it. 
I'm like, wow, that's fantastic. But there, there's definitely more to his character than oh, yeah. they're letting on. Oh yeah. And you know, like, like I, I've seen, I've seen some speculation that he, he could be from the, the mirror universe, but I doubt that because, you know, he's, he kind of, he kind of goes over that he's, that he's not, he said he's been fascinated since a boy, since he was a boy. But there is something going on mirror universe wise because Giorgio's yes. character absolutely is way too yes. confident about all these things that have happened and not worried at all. She knows right. something I, too. Yep. So I don't know what it is. Well, I mean, but that's her deal though. No, I mean, I know and they, her deal. they actually make reference to that. They actually make reference to that in one of the earlier episodes in this season where, you know, she's being her typical cocky emperor self. And the Admiral is like, don't you get it? Like your universe is no longer a concern. Nobody has heard from you in like right. 500 years or whatever it was. Uh, and so, like, you are completely removed from anything you ever knew. But she's right, not. and I think they that really did a number on her. And now, like, she her body's like falling apart or something. Yeah. She's yeah. like, it's like she's experiencing these weird, uh, like flashbacks and yeah, and, and like memory lapses and and yeah. and, and time losses. Like and then if, in the, she's like in the preview out of the for the Polaroid next episode, she's like having some physical symptoms. Yeah, it's like yeah. Back to the Future. It's, she's disappearing yeah, from it's, the Polaroid. It's, it's really yeah, yeah. Her it's, it's gonna be interesting how how they go forward with this because she's supposed to be in a Section Thirty One show. Yeah, but yeah, I, don't, I don't know how that fits in anymore. I think that I got know. pushed I back. Know. I don't know if that's even happening. Anymore, because like they said, there was going to happen oh. right after Picard, and this was news that oh. like happened a while ago. So I don't know, and I don't know okay. if that main actor hmm. guy is even signed on anymore. Right now, the I, tall dude that now, was a Klingon this. and everything, because he's um, just gone. I also wasn't <laughs> expecting them to take Star Trek a thousand years into the future. No, no. So I almost wonder if so, something happened there too. Or, I so like, I don't know, or or maybe like they said, oh yeah, we're going to do a Section Thirty One show just to like throw people off. Yeah, maybe. So here's here's what I, my my thought on that was. Um, everyone everyone was like, oh, we, we're getting another another prequel to a Star Trek show, and it turns out to be a sequel to all this all of Star Trek. Yeah, you know, because we're yeah, also all getting, <laughs> but we're also getting like like what was it? Uh, Strange New Worlds, which is the original Star Trek series. Yeah, like before they recast for for Kirk. So we're getting the Captain Pike series. Yeah, the, yeah. the pre-original, the pre-original right. series crew. That right. is still happening. So I'm really you know that. I'm that number I'm very one and young Spock. Yeah. And, yeah. And Which, I think I think that I think maybe that's why they decided to take the show a thousand years into the future, because they're setting this this new show in the original Star Trek timeline. From like from the original series, I think that's true. I also think they ran into some stuff filming with COVID, so it worked oh, really yeah. well to have a bunch of one-on-one scenes or one actor with another actor here and one actor with I, another actor here. <laughs> you know? I keep watching it and thinking, <laughs> all right, so did they did they all quarantine them for like a month before they started filming? Did they did uh, is there a glass partition between people that we just can't see? Yeah, I don't. I think they. Ha- you'll notice in the future, everything is very white and bright and CG'd. So that would make it very easy to plug a bunch of people in, in the background that are not actually there. That's you know, true, like yeah. you could have That's everyone true. delivering your lines, just looking at a tennis ball and, you know, and then like the tennis ball is David Cronenberg, you know, <laughs> on the other right, side right. or whatever. And he's filming his stuff on a green screen. It's been, right. they've been very clever, but you yeah. can see that they are dealing with COVID stuff. No question. Yeah, you could. 
I, I, I definitely see it. And I, they're supposed to start filming Picard in uh, January. Yeah, we'll see. So we'll see what happens if, then. If they kill Jean-Luc oh, because of stupid COVID, I will be really pissed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Frank, we got some other people online happening. here. I, don't think I, got that's one last, I got one last question for you guys. Okay. Um, before I, I know because I know I got to go. You got to go. Uh, I posted a picture of a Steve Rude piece of artwork. Okay. And it's like, it's like a two-piece piece of artwork, but it's, but it's like three pictures of like, Captain America, the Hulk and Iron Man. And there's another one of uh, Spider-Man, Thor and Submariner. Where are these from and where can I buy a print of it? Because I love this. And I just found it. It's on, it's on your, I put it on the uh, Facebook page. Steve Rude did a, it was a mini series and I can't remember what it was called, but it like took place. Okay. It was historical. And I want to say this was the late nineties. Was this on the fan page, Frank? I did it on the fan page. 2000s, I think. Yeah, I mean, just just put the answer there. I don't yeah, care, you know. We'll like, post I'll, it. I'll, I'll I'll figure it out. It's awesome though. I love Steve Rude so much. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh me too. Don't ever yeah, meet him. All right, Frank. We got to get Brian to meet right, in here. Peace good, out. Good to talk Bye, to you, Frank, brother. Uh, look, before we move on to David, real quick, uh, let's just uh, fall back and address some things that were said. Um, thank you to Internet Detective JD. Got a catch. Maverick's abilities are the ability to absorb kinetic energy. Uh, without harm, so like bullets. Talk about he can survive falling off a building. Why does he wear armor? <laughs> Why does he wear armor? <laughs> He's got to have a, something to keep all his guns and bullets in. Yeah, remember when Superman put on gloves and you threw a fit? <laughs> remember that? <laughs> Look, he, he's not super strong. It's like when the Hulk has shoulder pads on. Why? Trying to protect your rotator cuff, you know? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, 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 Zach Hollowell in the chat said that uh, Yaddle was so pissed about episode one that she killed herself, and that's why nobody ever saw her again. Fair enough. I think we were all pissed um, about it. But yeah. Um, yeah, David Robbins says aesthetics. That's why. It's aesthetics. Uh the the uh the force witches are called the night sisters of dathomir and uh they are scary as hell yeah i think i dated them uh, once it was if scary. you played the star wars um jedi fallen order video game you go to dathomir and fight the night sisters it's gross Ew. um but yeah all right I didn't get I didn't get that far. I, I need to pick that game back up. I got so it's really like, good. I want to build all the lightsabers. And then I was like getting super frustrated because I can't go there yet. But the game's like, sure, Matt, go there if you want to. Can't do anything here yet. And I was like, why not? <laughs> it's a different kind of game. I threw it, a fit. It, it, it's it's yeah. I threw a fit and quit playing. All right. Brian Domingos, you've been unmuted, sir. How are you? Good. What's going on, guys? Good. Real good. Try to sneak hey, in Brian. here and show everybody how good looking you are. We can't have you upstaging us, okay? I get you. Joe looks great today. So I like the uh, haircut. I combed my hair. Yeah. Shower day. Day. It looks good. Um, and speaking of looking good, um, Maverick looks awesome. That's why he has that armor because yeah, totally, uh, yes. Jim Lee knows how to design a character totally. in 1990 something. Because I'll tell you what, if you are on a special ops team that <clears> sneaks around and assassinates people, you want to wear the brightest yellow you can possibly find. You know, there's, <laughs> well, if you, if you were, yeah, do you remember those flashback pages, which were like so he drew them like see like the overlapping of the past and the present in the same page because he's amazing. Um, and the best artist of the nineties. Um, and they all had those weird yellow, like helmets and yeah. body armor. Yeah. Um, I think they didn't care yeah, because they were, their color scheme was bizarre. Oh man. They, 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 they were better than you. So let them wear whatever they want. What are you going to do? Yeah. Obviously they're going to murder everybody. Looks so fair. who cares? Um, 
there's a an, a really early uh, grifter design uh, sketch where he has a maverick like mask, um, where it's, it almost looks like a I don't know that it's a helmet, but he has like the shorter rounded mask, and it looks like Maverick's mask. So that might have been an early design that he took and put on that other character. Could be. Um, Jimmy Chung did the best Maverick out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen and show you this, but man, this Maverick. So friggin' cool. Look at that. All Jimmy chunked was, up. They shrunk the mask a little a, bit. He's still the dumb wire sticking out of his head because, you know, that's not dangerous. <laughs> he's all wire. It's, it's only, you know, it's, it's like a, a rock star. You just pop those out if you, if you don't want to hear the... Uh, I suppose. You know, the, the, the light guy yelling at you. You just pop them out. Sure. Um, sure. That book is... The writing is awful on that book, but the artwork was really cool. Yeah, it was. The artwork was beautiful. And I don't remember why I even loved Maverick because Maverick was another one of those characters that just like, we need more mutants, but we don't want any of them to have any real distinct powers. They should have something that like super ridiculous and kind of minute and doesn't mean anything based on what we need him to do in this story. Or something, you know, like what a I, dumb I think it's that he was like he looked cool, he was mysterious, but he wasn't like brooding. He was yeah. kind of like in and out, and he also seemed important. Like he's got he's tied into that, um, that whole like that. He's only in those like couple first issues. Was it X Men five through seven or something? Yeah, like yeah. it's a right. really quick. Um, and then oh, and then they did those cool. Um, well, they kind of developed him as like the with, leader um, of the X team of like their Suicide Squad basically he was like not king what's the other guys not king tiger i can't say the guy that led the old school suicide squad the one dude that worked like bronze tiger no not bronze tiger what was the other guy's name the dead shot no the guy that flag flag thank you rick flag flag yeah yeah he was sort of like the leader of that x squad that had like wolverine and wild child and saber tooth on it and like they were just bad guys they were a suicide squad and he was the one dude that like worked for the government i loved him he was cool. Oh, it was a, um, I, I'm, that's the sort of thing like in that new, the, the Benjamin Percy book where like, I am, I'm trying to go with it. Cause it does feel like those old, like Larry Hama on the docks of, you know, Madripoor kind of things with, with Andy Cooper, yeah, art, yeah. which is still pretty good. So, yeah. oh, um, man, I love Maverick. I'll take uh, some Maverick in there too. Um, Speaking of other comics, um, I am only I'm only halfway through it, but it is really great. And um, I think I know it got a lot of hype before it came out, but um, it's Blue and Green by Ram V. Um, it was a, a graphic novel that came out about a month ago. Yep. Yeah. Uh, through Image. And it's about a musician and his um, his mother passes away at the beginning of the, the book and he goes home and it stands him on this like kind of a mystery it's not like a, a mystery story, but he, he, he sees this picture and he, he tries to figure out who the person in the picture is. And it's this long kind of um, internal story, but he's, he's exploring all these different things. And I have not felt like it, it feels like a nineties vertigo book. Like it reminded me of um, like black orchid, like that kind yeah. of yeah. good, not, you know, good writing, um, good introspective, like moody stuff. The artwork is scratchy and, right. and beautiful and kind of ugly, psychological but, you know, that sort of psychological sort of thriller stuff. Yeah. Uh, people are gushing about this book and I've got it on my pile. And it was one of those books that Matthew uh, Rosenberg and I talked about because he's good buddies with Ram V and he was so excited for that to come out. And I think Ram V is one of those creators that has had his coming up year this year and next year 
I think that dude is going to blow up. I think he's going to be super famous name. He's a talented guy. He's I, I'm, I'm really impressed with the stuff that he's put out. Cause he kind of, he had a couple of things of, you know, a bunch of miniseries a couple of years ago through image that were like, I remember reading the first issue and thinking, yeah, okay, that that was pretty good. And then losing track of it. Like I think Paradiso was one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like you see the cover and you're like, Oh, I remember that. I never finished it, but I remember that being entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he is, he's in like a writing collective with that, um, with Dan waters and, um, Alex uh, Packnadel and they yeah. are in like a little um, and there's another guy who I haven't read a lot of that guy's work, but they are just like, they're just like synergizing and they've got all these cool things. And there's like a lot of just like good material coming out of them. And, um, and waters and Ramby are some of the writers on some kind of unexpected books and the, the future state book thing where, yeah, you know, it kind of, it gives you like, okay, like this is not, this isn't like Fabian Nicieza writing everything like it's, it's these new creative hungry interested guys well they're like all british doing, dudes and, and ladies they're you know, all, doing these these new books which kind of gives me some hope that there's some cool stuff coming and they're of, all british dudes that. and they're from like they're literally from the same neighborhood they've been friends yeah. for a super long time and like they would go to a bar and warren ellis was there and they would just hang out and talk to him about comics and shit and started writing their own stuff it's it's the dumbest cool story about like how to break into comics it's like well first just be british second you know live in the same neighborhood as alan moore and stuff you know <laughs> and, and be young and and hang out with them and listen to their insults and then one day just start writing your own stuff so <laughs> well i i mean they're they're all so smart and have interesting points of view and i have to like and they're all you know team players and, and you can see like they're I, I follow a bunch of them on Twitter and they're all like, you know, cross tweeting and retweeting. And like, yeah. they're just like, it's, like a this, it's almost like a gang. They but, are a gang. Um, but I think there's gotta be some level of competition too, which is just making it better. You well, know, where course. they're like, like, Oh, that, Oh, that issue was good. And they're like, God damn it. All right. I got to do better than I got to one up. Yeah. yeah I like trying to one up each other. Right. Right. Yeah. Which totally. is great. Cause the, their stuff is so good. And it's so, um, interesting. And it's got like, you know, like you guys read that swords master thing that could have been, forgettable it was fine it was you know it was good yeah alex packnadel man that dude is so talented and he was the one during that interview that told that started telling me about this like little gang of guys that yeah they secretly push their stuff up and then behind closed doors they're like oh you asshole oh okay (laughs) i gotta one-up this dude all right ram v let's see what you got (laughs) you know i love it everyone's smiling through their teeth at each other like all right i was i was super excited to see some of their names on this future shock stuff at dc future state pardon me at dc and as kind of worried as i am about the size of that you know uh, event and how things could get buried in it it is a cool way to give these guys a shot at some stuff see how it goes see how they write it see if it can carry through and who knows maybe they replace somebody on Hawkman later on, or maybe we get a, you know, a better Justice League later on because of it. I don't know, but I am excited to see what they can do at DC. And I'm super excited for all those guys to succeed because they are yeah, it, this I, new wave of British know, writing that is speaking so good. of uh, speaking of DC in general, I, I, I think that I am cautiously optimistic yeah. about what's going to happen after future state. I, I think they have things planned you know, they've obviously got a lot of new characters incoming. They're bringing in a lot of new talent. Yeah. And 
you know, it's kind of what we've been asking for, you know, like we don't, while we don't know exactly what's happening yet. um, We've, we've been asking for, you know, uh, less of the same old stuff, you know? Well, but at the same Uh, time, they, they tried a bunch of that with like the imprints or pardon me, the pop-ups or whatever, you know, don't, don't call them imprints. Yeah. Which in and of itself, like almost excluded that stuff and just it was like, all right, you want new talent? Here it is in a weird little corner of the DCU where it barely counts and it's not going to sell well. You know, I mean, like that Cave Carson book was incredible, absolutely incredible. And yeah, nobody yeah, read yeah. it. You know why? Because nobody knows who the fuck Cave Carson is. And as cool as those creators are, nobody knew who they were yet either. Maybe give them a shot on a book with a character that'll sell so people can go, oh, this character is, this creator is very talented. And then later on, they can go from the guys that, you know, made Nightwing readable again, comes Cave Carson. And we go, oh, cool. I'll check that out. But I I mean, you know, you say that it didn't sell well, which I, uh, compared to Batman, yeah. It got canceled Uh, twice. It got, (laughs) it got two volumes, didn't it? It got got two minis. It got canceled the first time. And then when they brought Young Animal back, they gave it another shot and it got canceled again. I don't think they got canceled. I think they ended. No. I think they were just limited series. No, they did. They did twelve issues and then six issues. Yeah, and then one more special part of like the Milk War thing, which is bizarre. It's but, totally um, bizarre. But they had plans I mean, it, to write was, like it, a bunch more, and it just it, didn't pan out. I mean, Michael Avon Oming drew that. It, he yeah. wasn't like yeah. an unknown guy. You know, I mean, he's 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 a pretty big. Um, he's been tied to some pretty big projects like um, Powers and sure. Um, but you I mean, know, if he wrote, you're he wrote Thor 15 years ago, for if you're an arc, only but. reading DC and Marvel stuff, which is the biggest and highest selling stuff, there's a good chance you don't know who that guy is. Or you look at his art and go, that's not what my comics look like. You know, I mean, he's, he's a weirdo artist. I love him. I don't buy that. I look, love powers. I don't buy that shit. There's weird looking comics all over the stands. Some people like them. Some people don't. Not like Michael Avon. The companies put weird. out comics of all types. I, I don't put out comics that all look the same. No, but I, you, I'd rather I'd rather read Avon Oming's uh, Cave Carson than like a I don't know Jim Aparo Cave Carson, which would be oh, just absolutely. like you know what I mean. Like absolutely. it was it was he was the right guy for that book, and it was you know not for everybody. And but those books are pretty strange in general, and I think they did they did a, a suitable job. I mean, I, I just finished the, uh, the what is it the weight of the world the the most recent volume of. Uh, doom patrol and i am 100 percent on board with doom patrol and i finished it and said oh okay <laughs> yeah that's kind of what was, do we do with this now it like, was the I, best they, looking they, mess i've ever seen you know like there, this, there is the, some ama- this is the there prettiest story in there. that nothing happens in <laughs> oh it, well it's not even it, it's like there there are a couple threads where it's like oh they seem to have dropped that and they they wrap it up at the end and it's it's a it's a good co- relatively cohesive story, but there is like, I don't know what they're doing. Like I don't know where they go from here, and I, I don't know that there's going to be more. They probably will, but you know, I don't once know, man. um, it's it's a weird. It, I mean, it's Doom Patrol, so it's a weird corner of the, you know, the universe in well, general. And it's it's all what's his head from Umbrella Academy too. Why can't I say his name? Um, Gerard, Gerard Way. Way. Thank you, Gerard Way, who's not famous for finishing a lot of stuff real fast he'll write his umbrella academy stuff but every once in a while he gets invited to do something and it like okay over the course of 
a year, I think we got four issues of Doom Patrol or something like that. <laughs> like, well, it, he, he, it didn't he come had out a lot monthly. Of, I, mean, <laughs> I think he co-wrote every issue of the the, uh, the seven issues that just came out. The, the previous volume did. There were a lot of like canceled issues, resolicited. Like yeah. two or I think eleven and twelve took maybe seven, eight months to come out. Yeah, um, I think that fabulous and, Killjoys thing that he did took like three years to finally finish, and it was six issues. So they got the, the new one is interesting. Um, is the it? new Killjoys thing. It's that, that Leonardo Romano, who is the, um, he was the artist on the Kate, um, what's her name? The Kate Hawkeye book. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Kate Bishop, um, who is excellent. He's like that, that kind of Chris Samney clean line, but like deceptively good, um, mm-hmm. where it looks, Oh, mm-hmm. this is really simple, but he's fantastic. And, um, it's an interesting read. I don't know that I care about that universe. I don't really care more because of the album that it's tied to. Like, yeah. that's, that's not my, uh, that's not my go-to, my chemical romance uh, music. But, yeah. I don't think there's um, ever a time where I'm like, you know what, you know what I really wish they would do with this album that I love. I wish they would really drill deep down into the lyrics and make a comic book out of it. I've never said that out loud. And there's a reason because it's a bad is- idea. <laughs> there is one um, there is one book that they did that a it, it was about two years ago it was matt fraction um albert montez um and the guy that wrote the album it's called solid state and it was like a graphic novel that image put out and yeah. i was like oh a new matt fraction thing it's the the music is not for me but the the comic was very good like very weird and uh, Montez is so talented and he's incredible. Bizarre. He's like a new, like he's, on, I feel like he's like a less clinical, like um, Chris Ware, where he knows how to, how to do layouts and, and panel placement in this, you know, from small to large and intricate, like moment by moment, but it, it feels warmer than the Chris Ware stuff. which okay. just feels yeah. like I remember cold this. and alone. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, um, which, Albert, uh, Albert Montez, he did that book for, um, panel syndicate called universe uh which i reviewed on the show years ago it blew me away it's beautiful i think that the hardcover is coming out this month or next month oh nice. um, they are releasing that so I'm, I'm excited i haven't read any of it yet so i'm excited to see that but um he's awesome he did the uh oh jonathan colton uh, was a musician okay too. it was jonathan colton was a musician yes gotcha yeah i i people like him i'll say that People really like yeah, Jonathan Colton. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's, I, was like, I mean, he's it's, like a nerdy weird Al. Yeah, I don't really care for him. I don't think he's that funny. Personally. He doesn't do covers, but, no. you know, it's just like he's nerd a, joke yeah, He's songs. a perfectly talented guy. I'll say that. I had never heard of him. It, it sounded well-produced and well-engineered and fine, but the comic was surprisingly really good, considering I didn't know the source material. So. I feel like Jonathan Colton was like somewhat internet famous at that time for 15 minutes, and then he kind of went away. Uh, no, he's still around. Uh, Jonathan Colton is, you know, in the, in the nerdier corners of nerddom, like Jonathan Colton is still a pretty big deal. Um, he, he gained, uh, probably the bulk of his fame came from writing, um, the song that plays at the end of portal, uh, the video game portal, um, which is sung by GLaDOS, the homicidal artificial intelligence, it is an amazing song. Uh, uh, it's called Still Alive. Um, He's a talented guy. I just, I, he never did much for me. That's all. I'll, I'll yeah, I mean, that. it's, 
you're either into that sort of thing or you're not. Yeah. Well, that would that would be why I've never heard of him because he did that. So he he co-wrote a comic that I thought was good. Um, there you go. But I'm I'm waiting for my Adam and his package uh, graphic novel tie-in. I fucking um, love Adam someday. and his package so much. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love that dude. Living Color Happy is my birthday, favorite black Ross. metal band. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the best song titles of all time. <laughs> all right, we got to move on here. David Baskins has been waiting to talk to us. Uh, pardon Mr. Me. Baskins Robbins. Baskins all right, have a good Robbins. Day, guys. We'll talk Bye-bye. to you soon. <laughs> Living Color is my favorite black metal band. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> Mr. David Robbins, I've unmuted you, sir. Well, I've asked to unmute him, actually. He corrected me, by the way. Uh, Maverick-led Weapon Plus, which was, of course, a crack team of Canadian agents. Because, like, Canada at that time, they were running some heavy-duty black ops all over the world with mutants. No, Weapon <laughs> Plus is the name of the program that gave us Wolverine and Phantom X. Yes, that's, that's who the, Maverick there was for. a there was a second weapon there was a revival of Weapon X yes written by Frank Thierry that's where they brought Maverick back and he had acid sweat for some reason oh and yeah a healing I forgot factor. about the acid sweat yeah and was, it was like Sauron and uh, that was gross. Uh, Mero and a bunch of yeah yeah shitty losers <laughs> forgettable forgettable <laughs> like hey take off hoser Hey, 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 Hosehead. Oh, sure. You go ahead and talk smack about all the Canadian ops you want, eh? Can I get you the bats? <laughs> What's going on today, Dave? What do you want to rap about? What's going on, guys? Um, so people are talking new TV. There's people talking Star Trek, people talking Mandalorian. Uh, I haven't gotten into Discovery yet. I've got them queued up. I just haven't gotten to them. Um, I want to talk about the silliest thing that I watched this week which is the reboot revival of Saved by the Bell that dropped on Wednesday. It's oh, so man. good. <laughs> it's so good in such a cheesy way. It's amazing. I'll tell you what. I'm going to take my headphones off. You guys do this for however long you need to do it. No, no, Joe, no. You, you just sit here and listen your, to it. If you could wave both your hands when you're done, I'll come we, back. We got to listen to you go on about wrestling. Um, <laughs> I, I rarely do that. When I do, it's very short. But is, now, I will say this. It took me a while before I wrapped my head around the tone of the show. Absolutely. And then it clicked for me. Everything to do with Bayside High and anyone involved is 100% on purpose ridiculous. Absolutely. And all of the new kids coming in are like, what in the fuck is up with these idiots? Oh, it's like they're from a (laughs) different reality almost? No, they're from a different school. They're from a different school district. The school gets shut down and they have to get bussed to Bayside. So it's like all of these normal kids going to this like magical fantasy land that is Bayside High where they have like 16 different beach volleyball teams based on the different types of sand they play on. Okay. Yep. You know, and it's like it, it, that sort of like everybody still goes to the max after school and, and the Mac, max is still there doing friggin' magic tricks and everybody loves it. And the new kids are like, what's happening? <laughs> what's going on here? This place is weird, right? Um. Yeah, the whole thing starts off. They shut down uh, an underfunded school because Zach had to make budget cuts. Zach's the governor. He gets yeah, elected governor as a scam Ugh. to get out of a $75 parking ticket. Ugh. So he, he winds up getting elected governor, uh, puts his foot in, the, in his mouth to balance the budget, shuts down a, a underfunded school, says they should just go to schools like Bayside. And then they wind up busting these kids to Bayside and Valley. 
and uh, all these kids from the like the the underfunded school show up at, at Bayside and go, um, this place is wackaloon. Like, what is happening here? And like Sl- Slater's the gym teacher, Jesse's the guidance counselor, and like they just they steer into such wonderful skids. Like Jesse, wrote, Jesse's a doctor. Wrote a book called. I'm so excited. I'm so scared about becoming a parent. And it's like, it's a playoff of the caffeine thing. She like, it's Uh, like they are, they lean, they lean right into the absurdity of it. All right. That's cool. Like the Brady Bunch movies did where they're like, yeah, yeah, Brady Bunch is just around. We don't know why. Yeah. Okay. Or, or like, yeah, like this James Gunn's Scooby-Doo movies did a similar thing. Um, But yeah, my, my my favorite line of the entire run is, uh, don't sit the theater uh, nerds next to the sci-fi kids. That's how Scientology happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, it's, it's not yeah, far off. They, I mean, no, they it's, it's very, it. it's very clever. It's a very yeah. clever. Um, and yeah, like once it, once it clicked for me, what they were going for, I was like, I get it. I get it. And I love it. Um, there's a there's a transgender character named Lexi on the show, uh, and you know, she's great. You know, she's like the sassy. She's um, Mac Mac Morris is Zach's kid. Uh, she's Mac's best friend. Or Zach has and, a kid named um, Mac because we've got to make sure we all know they're related. <laughs> so. Zach and Mac, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, they're just there's like I'm not that far into the series yet, but there's like just a well, a real quick reference to the fact that she's transgender and they don't make a big deal out of it. Um, and Michelle was watching and she says, you know, that kid looks really familiar. And she looked it up. Uh, and before her transition, uh, she played the obnoxious little bar mitzvah kid that joins the glee club on glee. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Like he is this shitty little monster and he like the character was hilarious and he ends up hanging around the school for a while. And that's the, that's the person that plays Lexi on the Saved by the bell reboot. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's amazing (laughs) because she's so good on the show. Oh, the, uh, the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Now look at the picture. I know what you're talking about. Uh, they bring back everybody from the main kids except Screech because Dustin Diamond is Dustin Diamond. Um, well, didn't he like, and he fell off, right? Like he's, he's got real mental issues, right? I'm pretty sure they, they did not even uh, like ask him to be a part of it. Yeah, because like something happened. I remember. I can't remember what it was, but it's like it's a yeah. sad story. It's not even like he went well. Full, I mean, full fucking Scott Bayo or something. He's somewhere. Last I heard, he's somewhere here in Milwaukee. Oh, so, no. um, it's a terrible place to end up. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> kidding. I love Milwaukee. the show. The show is so cheesy in a delightful way. Like all of the sets, like they have the high school, and it's it looks like it's filmed in a high school. Like Glee is filmed in a high school. Like the hallways look real. But there's a section of it that looks dead on accurate to the section with the stairway and the lockers and Belding's office from the original set. So, like, they fold that into the, the like, the, the current set. Um, which, yeah, like, you know how you only ever saw the stairwell and the lockers in Saved by the Bell? You know, they, they have the, you, you've got the Max, you've got maybe the inside of a classroom, you've got Zach's bedroom, 
and then there's the stairwell and that's all you see of the school uh well here like you see the actual entire interior of the school and where the stairwell is in it yeah it's pretty cool how they how they put it together oh the max looks like the max but there's more of it i just found out why dustin diamond's not on here (laughs) is he in jail no He's been no. very vocal about why it, he should be on the show and he wants to be on the show. And in 2006, he released a sex tape titled Screeched, Saved by the Smell. Ooh, the actor gross. later admitted, however, that he used a stunt person and never actually appeared in the video. Awesome. So uh, he uh, did it because he, he thought to prison. himself, what if that had made three or four million? <laughs> I think he's got some serious. Yeah. Some serious mess. Yeah, he did go to he did go to prison for carrying a concealed weapon and disorderly conduct. He served three months. That was uh, in 2015. He was released. He re- he released a tell-all book behind the bell, which included claims that his Saved by the Bell co-stars allegedly used drugs and hooked up with each other on the set, which of course they did. Diamond oh, no later shit. blamed a rogue ghostwriter for fabricating a bunch of details a rogue <laughs> ghostwriter this is a book your name is going to be on and you didn't read it yeah, <laughs> like, what are you like a trump what's going on here <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh yeah i don't uh like i don't think he i don't think i think he might be thinking of a different actor with all the mental stuff but he did you know his life did not turn out great i think he's got some issues here just judging uh, I, think, I think he's got child actor syndrome yeah i have a feeling yeah um but anyway it's it's delightful in this like cheesiest nostalgia button way in addition to having like some really talented young actors on there as the new kids um the way they tie it to things is great like jesse's kid is an idiot um Zach and Kelly's kid is way more trash than Zach ever was. Like yeah. Zach, Zach is a, like a schemer and a, like just scammer and not genuinely a nice person. But his kid is like almost a sociopath. Like he's, I would he's argue just like Zach was definitely a sociopath. And if you go watch the college humor, I think it was college humor did him. The Zach Morris yeah, is trash. Zach Morris is trash. Yeah. They like, I, so I didn't watch say by the bell when I was younger because I just didn't care. It was lost on me and I was, mm-hmm. maybe he's a little too old or whatever, but Casey, my wife did and loved it. And one night we binged all those Zach Morris is trash and she yeah. like laughed through them. I was absolutely shocked by what they had his character do on these oh, yeah. shows. Oh, and, yeah. and I kept he looking at her, I'm like, everybody. was he a good yeah, guy? He's, like, he's like no, literally he's like, see, like giving, like knocking people out with date rape drugs and stuff, not to molest them, but for like some ridiculous thing where he's trying to win a bake sale or some shit. Like he was like a super villain. It was crazy. <laughs> and I highly yeah. recommend those if you haven't seen those. Zach Morris is trash. Look it up. Yeah, but his kid is like an idiot and like completely in his own little world. And just like, it's ridiculous. But like the, all the Bayside kids are completely strange. And the kids that come in from the uh, from the underfunded school are like absolutely like normal kids, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like I said, it's very clever. And yeah. the way they kind of lean into how stupid and over-exaggerated the reality of Saved by the Bell was. Like, it's this, 
it's this hyper reality. Okay, guys, I'm getting texts from friends that are saying, okay, can we get off Saved by the Bell? This is super boring. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Fine, <laughs> my fine, friend fine, Mary Hillhair just texted me and said, of the week. I have never been so bored by a THN podcast. You're talking about Saved by the Bell. Oof. <laughs> she also said something in our Facebook chat as well. So let's move on to something a little more nerdy. I'll talk about we? the question of the week, but Do Frank Cirillo just posted that he actually wants to watch it now. Fair enough. So, okay. Yeah, we know. convinced him. Yeah. Um, you guys so let me know how it turns question, out. <laughs> question of the week. I don't, re- it's not really a useless power, but I think it's a creative way of using a power. Um, you guys were talking about uh, uh, age of apocalypse a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, X-Men, uh, X-Men alpha when Bishop gets to the shunted times timeline and first encounters AOA Magneto and Magneto uses his magnetic powers to slow the iron flow, uh, in the, in Bishop's blood to his brain to knock him out. Yeah. (laughs) I think that is an extremely creative way of using like just powers completely different than any other way we've ever seen it. Totally. I always loved when Magneto did stuff like that, even though the iron in your blood is non-ferrous iron. So, wouldn't I work. mean, it's a comic, whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, like Magnet- Magneto is obviously stupid powerful, right? So, sure. like, if that was something that could be done with magnetic powers, he could do it. It's not something that um, can be done. And that's why those uh, bronze bracelets and magnetic bracelets that people wear are bullshit, by the way, too. So, there you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, like, I love, I love, like in X2 when he escapes the uh the glass mm-hmm. prison. Yep. Because Mystique injects that guard with all of that extra iron or or metal or whatever. And he, then he walks into Magneto's cell and Magneto immediately rips it out of his body <laughs> and then uses it to escape. Like I like that was so clever to me. I loved that uh, I love that sort of u- uh, creative use. Yeah, anytime yeah, you know, it's not just like power. I've levitated every gun in the room. It's right. like no, you know, I can. I it's like a, it's like the um. Oh, you know what? I just changed my answer. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna go. All right, all right, I'm not all right, gonna all say right. what I was about to say because uh, I just changed my answer. All right, David, we're gonna we're gonna go here so we can do our answers. Thank you for calling in, buddy. Always good to talk to you. Absolutely. Hope you had a good turkey Bye, David. day. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good weekend, guys. Take care. Be safe. You too. Miss Branch, get Peter Parker on the phone. Yes, Mr. Jameson. All right, voicemail time, and then we'll get into our answers. Hey, Drew and Matt. This is Bryant from Maryland calling in for the question of the week. Um, So for me, I just did a quick review in my head of what I thought was a pretty lame power at first, and that became something really cool. It was one of the Inhumans. I believe her name is Iso. She has the ability of pressure manipulation, if I'm right, which sounds kind of lame. But in one issue, I think it was Uncanny Inhumans, or it might have been just Inhumans. I should definitely research it before calling in. She was able to manipulate the pressure of blood flow in one of the characters known as the leader at one of the issues, and to the point where he became kind of dumb. (laughs) So in my head, if she (laughs) took that to even further intensity, she would be a lot stronger and more of a stable character, but overpowered, I think. Uh, Thanks for the wonderful show once again, and enjoy your day. Bye. It's <laughs> a solid one. I don't. I love that. Who is this inhuman that he's naming though? How do you know who it was? Uh, one of the newer ones from the Charles Soul stuff, I think. Okay. All right. 
That is cool, though. That's very cool. Um, it's very similar to one of the answers I had. And I'm looking for the character's name because it's been so long since I've read Rising Stars. God damn it, Matt. What? It's one of the best okay. examples of what seems like a ridiculous power. There was I a, guess I'm changing my answer back to my original. Thing. There was a character that was an assassin and she worked uh, for like the Israeli special forces. And her deal was like she could manipulate matter, but only on a very, very like small, extremely small level. She was telekinetic. Yeah, but it was like, but she uh, only messed with like. It, it like, but her powers only worked on a very small scale. Yeah, and I can't remember. And so she grew up to become a super assassin. <laughs> yeah, which is very really cool because she could just be like, "All right, you just had a mini stroke, you know, like, and now you're not even dead. Yeah. You're in a wheelchair. We don't have to wheel worry about you ever again." Or she could murder you. But in the end of Rising Stars, like the story being in Rising Stars, is there's a group of people. They all have power, but they share the power source. And as they die, like Highlander, they get more and more powerful. Yeah, uh, her name was Laurel Darkhaven. Thank you. And she's one of the last left, and she is going to die. And she's like, I've done all this awful stuff in my life, and I want to make up for it. And so she, like, literally manipulates the earth in Israel and, you know, in Palestine and makes the fertile crescent fertile again, basically pulls water and, and good soil up through the sand and changes like that section of the Mideast into a fertile crescent once again and like basically makes peace in the Middle East. Look, now we all have farmland. We can all live on and grow food and we don't have to fight yeah. anymore. And then she dies. It was amazing. It was absolutely yeah. amazing and such a friggin' cool idea because they built off it the whole time and she kept doing like all these little tiny things, little tiny things. And then she does this gigantic thing but it's on a bunch of little tiny, you know, basis, more or less, if you will. I don't even it's know. It's a microscopic, oh. it's still a microscopic change. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That, what a cool idea. I, I, I loved that. And I loved like through the whole beginning part of the um, uh, series when they were uh, showing them as kids and she's like, her power is basically worthless. I can move this pencil. Yeah. <laughs> <You> yeah. <know? laughs> it's like. Yeah, to to see what she ended up doing, um, you know, super impressive. So cool. Uh, way to make use of a seemingly useless superpower. By the way, one of like looking back, Rising Stars is so good, and I'm thinking about JMS and his entire body of work and like stuff that I would want to revisit. And I think it begins and ends with Rising Stars. Quite honestly, I'd like I would <laughs> I wouldn't mind rereading Midnight Nation as well. It's it's shorter. It's only like twelve. Yeah, issues. It was like twelve issues. Um, but, uh, I, I think that his top cow work is probably the strongest in my opinion. Yeah. I don't need my JMS getting my superheroes. Definitely. He well, and even though, you know, everyone was jazzed about him when he came onto Spider-Man, it, it, it just, he can't get out of his own way. No. You know, it's like, oh, well, let's give Spider-Man claws. Let's make him an animal. Let's make him the avatar of freaking insects. Yeah. We talked about and, that. How he's like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm honored to write Spider-Man, but Spider-Man should be honored for the changes I'm going to make. Like, oh, come on. He never said <laughs> no, that. No, no. I mean, like, up. that's what I'm not saying. He said that. That's what it feels like. Like he had to get in there and be like, JMS has to leave the JMS stamp on Spider-Man that will forever be part of his powers after that because I was here. He's 
spray paints on the wall or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody knew who the fuck he was before he started writing Spider-Man. Aside from being like a TV guy, he was like, oh, the guy that created Babylon 5. He was pretty famous. Yeah, he was the guy that created Babylon 5. So, yeah, <laughs> he was pretty famous. And he had worked on a bunch of Hollywood stuff, too. So, uh, You know, he wrote Thundar the Barbarian. Yeah, he's been around for a long time. <laughs> he wrote a bunch of He-Man episodes. Yeah. Uh, so my answer uh, is, um, Cypher, uh, Cypher is a character that I don't think anybody figured out for the first like 30 years of his existence. Yeah. You know, he, he was kind of a joke, uh, in the eighties as part of the new mutants. He like, Oh, he can't poor Doug. He's weak. His power isn't that useful in battle. He has the power of super translation, which means he can, uh, immediately understand any language. Uh, which, you know, is useful to a point, but not if you're fighting Magneto or the Magus. No, <laughs> but if you want to understand why the Magus is mad, yeah, <laughs> I think it certainly helps. Um, uh, and then, so he, he died, you know, in the eighties, still our very early nineties. Right. And it wasn't until they brought him back. Um, there was that Necrotia. Oh, storyline yeah, yeah. where they brought Doug back and then like somehow he was back for good and after that at some point the writers of the time I don't remember exactly who was doing it back then uh was it Ed Brubaker still or Matt Fraction maybe possibly um but uh somebody figured out oh any language that means machine code that means body language. So this would have been during Craig Kyle, Chris Rios, Mike Carey, and Zeb Wells were a bunch of the, they, they all, right. all wrote the Necrotia crossover anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Um, and, but like somebody figured out, oh, like he's so much more than just like translating French. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, in fact, I was reading, uh, I was reading, uh, New Mutants, uh, whatever issue it was that was uh, in uh, X of Swords where he's training uh, like Doug is chosen for the fight and Ileana's trying to train him. Right. Because obviously Doug has no combat training. And she's kicking his ass. And I'm thinking to myself Doug should be able to read this like the Taskmaster. Because, I mean, it's just another form of language, isn't it? You know, this, like, the language of combat. The language of love. You know, sword mastery. Like, I, like, to me, Doug should be able to just, like, intuit. Right. So much. Um, you know, I, I, I also love that, like, he's the only one that can talk to Krakoa. Uh, you know, the, through their special made-up language that yeah. they've yeah. concocted, it's and he concocted so an entire mutant alphabet it's for so all the good. mutants to use. <laughs> it's so good. So, like, I, I just love that they finally took Cypher, who was kind of this, like, you know, this cutesy little 
character that didn't really do Cypher much. Cypher was in the sort 80s. of like he was like a Charlie Brown almost, where like we were supposed to relate to Cypher. Like, what if you or I were a nerd that was stuck on the New Mutants team, and you were super nice and everybody liked you, and you're a smart guy and you can do this one thing, you can't really do it very well. But he was always yeah. kind of like telling the story from a human point of view. He like right. and. And he became such a wonderful character, and his friendship with Warlock was just the sweetest thing in the world. And then Warlock accidentally infected him, and he died, you know, of the techno-organic virus and stuff. And it, it was so sad. And I thought I got shot. Well, first he died of techno-organic virus, then he came back as Doug Locke, and that was a whole thing. And, like, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> <Doug> crazy. <laughs> it was Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think, like, you know, people come up with these people come up with these ideas as you know jokes or whatever. Like the Legion of Substitute Heroes is full of characters that, on paper, at the beginning, you know, shouldn't have no reason to be superheroes at all. Like, right? I can breathe fire. Well, that's that seems like a pretty good power, but we already have Sun Boy, so you're out. Right? Um, I can change the color of any object. Color kid. Uh, wouldn't that mean that like you could also completely make people blind at, at, <laughs> you know, remove their ability to see color. Well, it depends you know, how like, he changes color. I don't even understand what that means. Well, yeah, I mean, the color is all of, is all in the way your brain interprets what you're seeing anyway. So, so he changes how people see color. That's his power. Well, that's, uh, that's never, you know, I bet Jeff Johns did something with it during his run probably they, you know, on action when they yeah. brought him back. Um, you probably had him like kill Calabac with it or something bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> sure, right. Like uh, infectious lass uh, has the ability to infect people with any disease. Now that sure which sounds is terrifying. Like a, yeah, a horseman of death to me. Not so much yeah, a legion uh, of superhero. <laughs> and so, like the chlorophyll kid can make any plant grow. Like these are things. God, that, why were- are these? Really reaching. Why are these characters substitutes? <laughs> really reaching there. Yeah. That's like, and then Polar Boy was basically Iceman and they rejected him. It's like, what the, f- why would you reject to Iceman? <laughs> right. I can't remember who it was. It may have been Scott Snyder when he was writing Swamp Thing, like explored that whole, like Swamp Thing can pretty much teleport anywhere he wants by traveling through the green in the earth like a mice you know like the mushroom network that's all through the earth and stuff it's like such a friggin cool idea for his powers like you just all of a sudden you just like and he like pops up in your backyard you know (laughs) because he just came through the earth super shows up in john constantine yeah constantine's weed plant oh i love it totally love it that was a fun question let's set these guys up with a new question for next week joe patrick This week's question was submitted by Frank Cirillo via the THN forums. Frank says, I was thinking about how the current Tony Stark in Marvel is based very heavily on the portrayal of Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Before that, I don't remember Iron Man ever being quite that, you know, witty and quippy. Uh, No, I totally, it's, he's 100% right. Really? Yes. You look back at those old Iron Man comics and uh, yeah, the, Ever since Fraction rebooted Iron Man when the movie came out, it's been RDJ the entire time. I'll have to revisit it because, uh, like, I just maybe I've just applied that retroactively. Like, yeah, it's not and that I, he wasn't like maybe clever or no, smart, but I but definitely like, agree that like when they did the RDJ Tony, they definitely boiled him down. They've to, amped him way up. Yeah, in that direction. like here is your distilled Tony. <laughs> definitely. Yes. Uh, so with that in mind, how have the comic book versions of characters changed? 
because of an actor's performance or an iconic look. For example, Sam Jackson's Nick Fury. That's a good one. Yeah. And we'll say for the better or for the worse. Sure. I just want to hear about them. Some weird ones that we maybe not have thought about or talked about. That'd be fun. Totally yeah. into this. We'll be here next week to do it. Thank you again to everybody that joined us and played along. And like I said at the beginning of the show, you can contact us and talk to us about anything from the regular show. You can ask us for reading suggestions, and we'll talk about it as on our comic pushers segment. You can ask us your nerdy question, like "What does the thing poop?" And we'll, you know, ask a nerd. We'll answer those does questions. He poop? Yeah, I don't know. I think we established that he doesn't. I think actually. Um, Jack Kirby addressed that in a, in, like in a letter thing. It was like, nope, doesn't I think need it's to. in like Fantastic Four number three. Yeah. He like in the, in the Jack Kirby wrote in the margins of the art, hey Stan, thing doesn't poop. <laughs> and and so it got worked in. There you go. But we'll be back next Saturday and tune in this Thursday to hear THN six hundred. We're talking the Pardon me. Nerd of the Movies is back for the New Mutants edition, which you may recall was a movie that was released not too long ago and not too much fanfare, but it did come out. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to put a bow. speaking. We're going to put a bow on the Sony X franchise, and uh, we'd love to have you guys along for it. We will see you this Thursday in the funny pages. But for now, this is Two-Headed Nerd. My name is Matt Baum. My name is Joe Patrick. Signing off. Signing off.